This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeidel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, and with me, as always, are Scarlett and Dave. How is everybody doing, guys? Um, well, when you say, as always, uh, we probably should go back to the last episode, <laughs> because I was on for like two minutes, maybe. So Scarlett definitely did a great job in the last one interviewing you. But I, on the other hand, had about two minutes of beach conversation with you all. (laughs) And then my interweb technology failed and I just abruptly left the conversation. Is that right, Scarlett? Is that what happened? Yeah, I don't know if you can imagine the terror of being put in a position where something is recording and you are not skilled at um, interviewing and then there's no one else to interview. I'm just, while you're talking, I'm thinking since this is the episode about you and you're the interviewer, how are you going to, are you going to like interview yourself right now? We should have just like, Oh no, we're, we're going to have some fun with this Scarlett. Hold on. Also on my voicemail to Aaron, I left, and by the way, I need to explain this. I left Aaron a voicemail after the last episode of Scarlett doing a great job interviewing Aaron Mm -hmm. and Aaron me laughing out loud hearing the part when Aaron described reading, uh, falling in love with reading, right, Aaron? And that Something your like that. first book was reading the novelization of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> so basically, it just takes a man's heart being ripped out of his chest to get you to love books. And um, I was eight, to be fair. Y- yeah, I know. And and again, I remind you that was the movie that created the PG-13 rating. So mm-hmm. thus the book essentially is a PG-13 book, I guess, too. Is is yeah. the heart ripped out in the book? I hope so. Yes. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I good. just read it again last night and it's it's well, it's my favorite bedtime read. Okay. Well, the point of this is Scarlett Scarlett did a tremendous job interviewing you when I failed and abruptly left the conversation. (laughs) Well, see, I probably would have laughed at that answer. And I don't think I did because I was so um, focused on my duty to ask interview questions. True. You did a phenomenal job. You were very, you were very professional. Thank you. You were very (laughs) on point. You let, you did not let me go off on a random tangent and, uh, and that was good. If this ever happens again, I'm just immediately going to close my computer and walk away though. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you just just planned on doing that every episode. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's true. (laughs) So, so what Dave isn't, so Dave, I appreciated the fact that when you cut out, it just ended up with you ended with you saying this sucks. And uh, so I just assumed that you were talking about the conversation that was going on and you just had enough and it was time to go dad model on the beach. So <laughs> there were a few you... seconds where you could tell Dave couldn't hear us and he was just talking. Yeah, that was yes. those were good. That was good. Yes, thanks. That's okay. Well, we're all back. We're in our usual app. <laughs> Atmosphere. We have declared our next episode will be in person, though. Correct? Unless uh, unless something happens that prevents it. Absolutely. Okay. I don't know if you still have that um, biscotti 
in the office where you work, Dave, where we recorded that one time, but I'm ready for it. We have lots of snacks. As a matter of fact, um, the FedEx guy comes in every day and he like, he knows he just walks back to the kitchen and grabs food. Aww. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> that biscotti has been there since 1987. And, I'm ready for uh, it. Yeah. That's when right. Biscotti was last popular. Is that right? I don't think biscotti ever goes bad. It no, doesn't. because it's dried bread cookie. Yeah. You know what it? You know you know what it is. I've read about this. Uh, you know, in 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 the Civil War, they would distribute rations. It would be something called hardtack, right? And hardtack <laughs> is essentially like wooden bread, and that's pretty much what it is. So there you go, that's Scarlett. Right. It's it, it's here for you. It's been here since possibly you know, the Civil War. Since General Hood was marching up through Franklin <laughs> Battle Hood to try and get to Nashville, he he dropped some some of this biscotti. I don't think it was called biscotti then, but yeah. that's what it is. I'm happy okay. to take some of that historic. What did you call it? Wood bread off your hands. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. okay. Perfect. Done. Perfect. All right. Well, today. So this week, guys, we have been. Um, we've had a lot of stuff going on this week, last week, the week before, but in all of that, you know what we have been doing? We have been doing this little mini series, um, that is really a get to know one another conversation for the benefit of our listeners. And so we started with, we started with getting to know Scarlett and having, putting her in the hot seat to ask, to ask and answer a lot of hard questions you know, questions she didn't want to answer, like which books she hates. And so she refused. (laughs) (laughs) And I respect that. (laughs) Last week, because Dave had tech problems, Scarlett had to ask me what books I hate. And I love that question. So he loved it. Yeah. I I could tell Scarlett was so uncomfortable trying to answer that question herself. And yet when Aaron would start naming people, which we're not going to (laughs) rename, go listen to the episode. Scarlett's like, I can see her back. You know, that, that, that meme or the Homer Simpson, (laughs) like going backwards into the, uh, into the brush. Well, that was Scarlett. Yes. 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 Now to be clear, I was not judging the person. I was judging his work. You you were clear. You did Noted. take great delight in answering that question, I, I will sure say. Did. Yeah, you only you only went halfway there, I noticed. <laughs> I'm like, I've heard you say more. He was reading the room. He was reading me backing into the brush. Oh, yeah, I get right. it. Scarlet disappeared and I and I was like, Man, where'd she go? Yeah. <laughs> it's understandable. But you know what today is, Scarlet? It's T- Dave Day. That's right. It's Dave's mm-hmm. turn. <laughs> And so we get to put the gears to Dave, and um, we are going to find out who he is. I'm so excited. Why he loves reading. What Winston Churchill biography is his favorite. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, we already know his pen name, but we're going to do it again. I'm excited. I've uh, improved upon my pen name, by the way. So I'll reveal that later. So listen in. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely. You know, before we jump into that, I got to say, I'm really disappointed. I haven't seen any great suggestions from our listeners on pen names for either of us, Scarlett. I was just going to say, I need to look back in the archive because I think I asked it on Instagram and then I forgot to see if anyone answered. So Emily Harding, Richard Harbison... Give us some give us some suggestions. Were you guys busy or something? Did we lose Dave again? We I can't lose we Dave have. on the Dave episode. Did we lose Dave on the Dave episode? I think we lost Dave. <laughs> can't lose Dave on the Dave episode. I mean, we're gonna have to answer Dave's oh, questions Dave. for Dave. Scarlet, he's back. 
He's back. Yeah, that was bizarre yet again. I am the one with the worst like internet issues. Scarlett, I know you claim that sometimes, but I'm it. No, we uh, had a our, our internet service provider was here and working on one of our wireless upstairs <laughs> and plugged the one downstairs where I am <laughs> at the same time. So there you go. Um, but I'm back. Um, Dave. <laughs> Trying to skip out on the Dave episode. That's that just right. won't work. Mm, yeah, know. he he does not want to answer the hard questions about who Dave is and what he's like. He knows that he's going all to right. be challenged on all of this. Well, before they cut it out again, you might as well yeah, ask. Let's him. do this. That's the questions. All right, all right go for it. So, so Dave, we're going to start off with a nice easy one. Tell us about who you are. <laughs> So easy. I am. Yes. Give us. I, give us a. Give us the background of Dave. Well, I'm 41 at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I'm a husband, a father of two girls. I don't know why I went into movie trailer voice. I don't. Uh, that the whole time. There. It's great. No, yeah, you, you're committed world. now. <laughs> no. Um, grew up in Kansas City. On the Kansas side, by the way, and that's one thing people should know. I moved when I was 15 to St. Louis, where most of my family on my dad's side is from. So people ask me, you know, the question, like, where are you from? I usually say St. Louis. So my parents still live there. So I still answer the question that way. I'm from St. Louis. Um, that's where I became a Christian in young life. You know, I went through one of those moves in the middle of my freshman year of high school. And, um, discovered what therapy is like, you know, during that time, hating hmm. my parents for a, a short period of time, just for moving me in the middle of something that I loved in life in Kansas City to something that I didn't know would be so great. And I was embraced by um, friendship, you know, in Young Life and uh, came to Christ later that summer at a Young Life camp. So I, I, I think I, I Thankfully, that's a pretty typical story in young life, and I, which I love. But uh, I'll give a quick story about how I met my wife because I think it's funny, and that's what leads me to Nashville. Is um, I um, I worked for a movie company in St. Louis that did distribution for what they call non-theatrical markets, and what that means is like movies in the park or movies on your college campus. If you ever wonder like where those come from, the rights. I mean, this is like Disney movies, Warner Brothers, Sony, whatever, and uh, I would handle those. And so the state of Illinois was my territory, and I worked with all sorts of places on those things. But there was a period of time when I um, a friend of mine went on maternity leave and I was basically given the state of Tennessee just to help out a friend of mine while she was out. And um, I met during that time the person who ran student activities at the University of the South in Swanee. And that is now my wife. But it's really cool because I was just temporarily helping out and of course, in business, she she was one of those who knew exactly what she wanted in terms of movies for the campus, and it really wasn't a uh, there wasn't a lot of selling. She she <laughs> she was clear. But uh, during that time, you know, the, my friend decided to stay home with her child, which is great, awesome. Um, and I inherited the state of Tennessee, and thus built a, a friendship with my now wife. As we were, we, we kind of discovered one day, like we talked on the phone for like an hour at work and it was that, hey, we probably should talk like after work or something like that. Would you be okay if we did that? And I remember, uh, oh, classic faux pas. I said, hey, you can call me anytime. That's great. Here's my number. And she's like, <laughs> 
I don't call boys. Here's my number. <laughs> you can call me after. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, we built up a friendship that way. Before, like, the internet has, like, pictures of ourselves everywhere. Like, I, I knew a little bit of what she looked like from a, she coached field hockey. I played golf, so she saw my golf picture, but that was it. Aww. But, um, so, yeah, it was kind of funny. We After a few months, we actually met and hit it off and decided to try that out. So... Wow. We were engaged long distance after we dated for about a year doing that back and forth. Seven hour drive each way, by the way. Oh and goodness. and then fast forward, like we never lived in the same town and we got married. It was crazy. But uh, wow. it, it's been it's been a cool journey. But she was a young life leader as well, came to Christ in young life. So we had that in common. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, good story. So. Uh, but, but, you know, I say that because that's what really kind of got me here. And I got into publishing soon after that, after we got married and moved down here, which was fun. But uh, just a quick history and like reading. I was not a reader growing up. My mom was a teacher, an English teacher and a medical uh, magazine editor for most of her career. My grandmother was also a teacher and they were the ones who really got me into reading I didn't love it as a kid. They just were the ones who helped me along, essentially introduce things. And that's why we always talk about in this, like find a genre or a type of book that you love. Let that be kind of your your runway to get into reading. Well, mine was history because we would go visit my grandparents who lived in Wilmington, North Carolina, and USS uh, North Carolina battleship from World War II was there. See, here's my World War II stuff. <laughs> and I just remember like, man, climbing around this huge battleship. It's a great tour and just falling in love with this idea. And it just made me want to learn more about that time. And this is like as a little kid. And also in that area, there is Fort Fisher, which is uh, uh, where there was a, a battle. That's a, it was a Confederate uh, fort during that time. And it was really close to where they lived. And I would go around there. And I think the movie Glory came out about that time too. And like you just that just kind of drew this interest into history for me. I just loved it. And so history was like my entryway to like, okay, if I'd pick up any book, it would be that. There certainly were books like... To Kill a Mockingbird that had a big impact on me because I read it twice when I lived in Kansas City. And, you know, and I remember writing a paper on it. I had to go through a class reading To Kill a Mockingbird. And I wrote a paper about what I learned from that book. And I was anticipating being that kid, that outsider, you know, that person that people really didn't know. I wasn't trying to make myself, by the way, a, uh, um, you know, African-American by any means, but like, you know, Boo Radley is kind of that character too, like the you know, outsider. No one wants to, you know, deal with that. Um, you know, when the whole lesson of the, of the book is, um, you know, to step in someone's shoes and walk around with them in a while. And mm-hmm. so I wrote a book from that perspective. I mean, I wrote a, uh, like an essay. And then when I moved to St. Louis, that was the first book we read as well. Mm-hmm. And I kind of knew like, okay, this is meant to be. He kind of knew that, okay, wow, this is, this is something that's supposed to be part of my, my story. And then writing this like complete circle story of like, man, now I really know what it feels like to be the one that nobody knows and doesn't really have any friends and, and so on. And, you know, you kind of realize at that point, like, man, books are, books can really comfort you in that time. Uh, it doesn't answer everything, but it kind of opened my way into understanding what therapy was like as a 15 year old and how to talk about how I felt 
And uh, yeah, so, you know, again, I think I shared too before I didn't, but I doesn't mean I like got into books at that time. I just, I, those are, those, that's my memory of books uh, in my life at that time. It wasn't until I got done with college, it was that summer after college, and I'm in a friend's house whose dad has this like amazing book collection. And I looked at her and like, is it okay if I borrow one of these, you know, and, <laughs> and I picked up undaunted courage by Stephen Ambrose, which is about Lewis and Clark. Even though I had loved history books, I'd never read a book that was written in such a tremendous narrative about something I kind of knew about. I knew all the bullet points about Lewis and Clark, but having it read in such a, it, it, like, it seemed like a novel. And uh, so I, I, I always loved it that perspective. So I'm kind of answering two questions, I think, but yes, yes. Cause you, uh, you, you already hit the second one on the list. You know, I was actually a little bit surprised and a little bit disappointed that it wasn't a Winston Churchill biography that made you love reading. No, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember getting into Churchill until after that time. I mean, I, my mom always loved Churchill. Again, you can tell my mom's a big influence on my reading and still is. We talk, that is a fun thing to bond over just to Mm -hmm. talk books. My mom's been in book clubs all of her life. She and my grandmother certainly toward the end too loved that I got so much into publishing and reading and, uh, because that certainly was a big part of their lives. So Churchill, yeah, you know, the more you read, the more you get exposed to kind of the genuine characters out there, the ones that are inspiring. And Churchill's hard not to be inspired by. And even uh, even as we're in a bit of a, a cancel culture right now, I think he'll hold up pretty well when people start looking at all these things because they realize everybody's flawed. We're welcome to the human condition. Everybody definitely yeah. is flawed. So, you know, but he's also one of those who has mastered the art of telling his own story. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. you know, he wrote so many books. He wrote 40 huge volumes of books. And have you read all of them? No, I have not read as many as everyone thinks. Probably six or seven, <laughs> something like that. But you plan on reading all of them? No, you'll never read all. Of, you know, he, he, he's, I, I can't imagine. So I, I read the, the last bio, the Andrew Roberts one. They were talking about the amount of words that he wrote. It's astronomical. There's there's not many. I the, There's no way to prove it, but he probably is one of those. He'd be a rival to have written like the most words uh, as a, as a person, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who just don't know them, mm-hmm. but, um, he is just so well documented that they can at least track something like that, which is fascinating. So Dave, I would like to hear the story of how you went from the movie job to publishing. It's funny. Everything connects together. I'll go back to how I got the film job. Uh, there was a girl I went on a date with. I knew through young life, which is really funny. I liked her, but we just weren't that compatible, you know, uh, you know, I realized pretty quickly, but nevertheless, we stayed friends and she was the one who recommended me, recommended me for the film job hmm. and which I ended up getting. And she was also working there, which is funny in a different division. So it wasn't like hmm. with her team, but, um, I was telling my daughter Madeline about that last night. I said, it's really funny how like God uses these types of things. You think it's for one reason and it ends up being, well, God knew clue. That was a really funny way of leading into meeting my wife. So leading into publishing, I, um, yeah, I moved down to Nashville early before we got married. Brooke was still working in Swanee, which was like an hour and a half from here. But I, um, 
I was just researching. I moved down just to network, didn't have a job. I had enough saved up to where I could last a while. But at the same time, it just uh, was fun. So I got to meet people and I ended up getting introduced to one of the publishers at Thomas Nelson, uh, David Dunham, who I ended up working for a few years later, which is fun. Hmm. But it was through an old family friend who was trying to get published there. Someone who I grew up with in Kansas city who met him and got us introduced. And it wasn't even that great of a friend, but it's just funny how that connection happened. Hmm. Uh, and even though I didn't start there that first year as I moved to Nashville, I did within a year. And really the, the, the person I was turned to talk to who eventually became my boss a little bit later is my boss. Now our president of our agency, Brian <laughs> no Mitchell, yeah, he was one of my first bosses there. So isn't that wow. funny? He he was the first person I really talked to on the phone. And so here wow. I am. I work for Brian now. We stayed we stayed friends. How old know, were you the, when you got that job? Uh, like 25, something like and that. And what did you do? Like what was your first role? I at was the director of marketing for Nelson Books, Nelson Business. And then mm-hmm. not long after that, uh, they kind of reorganized reorganized, which happens in publishing a lot. And uh, I was working on the political books and uh, other general market books. It was a fun time to work on marketing campaigns for those. So, But yeah. crazy, just crazy because you just, you know, when you're working on so many different genres and you just get all sorts of personalities. And your time with Nelson is actually how we, we first connected. Yes, that's yeah, right. Back when I was in... Canada land and, you know, and <laughs> blogging was still a thing and book reviewing was still a thing. Um, you That's know, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, That's I, right. I got many, many a free book from you and I appreciate it. That's what I'm here um, for, you know, cause I, uh, I'm sure I sent you the American Patriots Almanac and America, the last best hope by Bill Bennett. I'm sure I sent you all <laughs> Absolutely. of those in Canada. <laughs> yes. Um, you knew you had the foresight to know that not only would someday, I be in America living there, but eventually we work together and then do a podcast together. I mean, see, it all connects people. If you get one thing out of this podcast, that's it, that we're all, you never know how God's connecting us together to lead to something kind of cool. So it's fun. I I would say, you know, your, your love of publishing in general kind of came into fruition for me there at Thomas Nelson. And, uh, I loved it. It was fun. And I learned a ton, um, industry changed a lot during that time as it continues to change. I mean, I was working there during the time of the, the financial collapse, uh, e-books on the rise, borders mm. going out of business. What else happened? Walden books going out of business. It wow. sounds like, by the way, the industry's collapsing. It just was changing. You know, you also got to mm. think Amazon's growing and other and Christian book.com, all those are, are really doing a good job growing too. So there were lots of Lots of good things happen on top of that. But I loved the volatility in a way because it was always exciting and you're, it always pushed you to innovate, to find better ways to t- talk about books. And uh, my first digital marketing campaign, wait for it, was with doing something in MySpace. <laughs> so, wow. I know. <laughs> I know there was Facebook was still college only at that time. If you've, yep. you know, if you know the early 2006 math, it wasn't yet open. Um, and so MySpace mm-hmm. was it on an Erwin mm. McManus book. So there you go. Wow. Which one of his books was that? Do you remember? Uh, Soul Cravings. Oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure yeah. if it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It would have been that mm-hmm. one. Cause yeah. 
Yeah, I remember one of the first books that I read in that genre in in that whole space was one of his, and um, it's hilarious. Yeah, I know. Now, uh, he he had a book a few years before that called The Barbarian Way, which mm-hmm. was pretty good. A short little book. That was a good book. That um, was the one. And I, and, I, and I like Soul Cravings too. Yeah, I haven't written. It's funny. Those are the only two books I've read of his, but I uh, I really enjoyed them. And he was really nice to work with. Um, I haven't talked to him since then, but, uh, no. but, uh, but he was a really nice author to work with. So it's mm-hmm. fun to have like some good experiences, but you also learn pretty quickly that you're working with human beings. <laughs> <laughs> so enough said yeah right um i've shared some stories uh if in, if you go back and listen to the joel miller episode most of our best stories <laughs> from that time that brian mitchell also and i worked with joel uh came from that era it just was the wild west now what how did you transition from there to bnh which is where i met you and where was that so I worked for, I left uh, Thomas Nelson to work for an agency for like a year and a half. And it was really kind of this test of like, do I want to be in publishing like long term? But the reality is at the agency I was at, I was working on publishing projects a lot. And I just didn't, I don't think I was a great fit for that type of agency work. And by the way, agency, like this is marketing agency. This is not literary agency work. But, you know, I was put on publishing projects, of course, because I was the publishing guy. Um, so I got to do some, I learned a lot during that time. I learned a lot about what I was good at, what I was most passionate about. I also learned some things I was not good at. Um, so it was humbling on top of that too, because in agency work, there's some really smart people at agencies and they are so creative. I just realized my creativity was around books. It wasn't around mm-hmm. every other general idea. Like I'll have some friends who are like, Dave, I need your help in this marketing you know, idea for I don't know, some of the plumbing. I don't it could be any industry. I'm sorry, I'm just not good at that. I, I mean I could probably offer up something that's decent, but like I don't think I would be able to contribute anything revolutionary to it. So so I realized quickly and B and H was a client at that time. I was doing work for them on some projects, uh an Eric Mason book, a JD Greer book, and uh and that's how I got in. You know, they needed help and mm-hmm. communications and wanted me to come in and do that. So it was fun. Yeah. So I got in and, you know, of course, meandered a little bit in terms of what B&H was, was doing then, but it was fun. I got exposed to working on Bibles and kids books. So I learned a lot. I loved, you know, working there and it was fun to just to see again, like how a different publisher does things. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I realized, huh, in this industry, each publisher has has different strengths and weaknesses and there's plenty of room for all of us. I mean, it really (laughs) occurred to me that, wow, okay, there's a lot of space for us to publish. There's just a lot of opportunity. And I think the more good publishing that happens, especially good theology uh, that's published in whatever, you know, genre format, great, awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I, it taught me to cheer even more for those who are doing good things at other publishers. And that's why I started getting involved with a lot of industry things too for the CPA because I really liked being able to contribute from that perspective. Very and cool. now I'm here because I, I, I wanted to work on the agency side now too. And it's fun. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. So what do you love about reading right now? I have discovered in my process of of reading that I'm not an all-out introvert, but I really do appreciate my time alone and how important it is to learn and grow 
in that space and books have been a conduit of that. And I do love, and, and I say this, when I got into reading, especially history books, um, certainly there's a story element to them and that's, that is attractive. I wasn't into novels or anything like that yet. That wasn't really until like the last six or seven years I got into novels, but I love how reading can, you know, help challenge your way of thinking about the world. And it's reminded me too that my education's not done. Yes, you know, we've gotten done with college and that this has kind of been my graduate work is just, just reading and reading about different perspectives, reading about different topics to help me understand the world. And I also know that there's just going to be things that I will do for periods of time in life, but reading will be the one thing that'll be the constant that'll get me through to my last days. And uh, that that's, that's comforting knowing that it's something that's worth investing in that is lifelong and, and has a benefit to help me uh, think about life in a better way. Good answer. All right. So Dave, what, this is, this is my favorite question and Scarlett's <laughs> least favorite question. Bye guys. <laughs> She's already going back into the, into the bushes <laughs> to hide. But what are some of the books that you love and hate or the ones that you love to hate or hate to admit that you love? Well, I'll, yeah. start, I'll start on the joyful end. You know, when someone asks me, Hey, listen, I'm not into history books. I say, well, you're just probably not reading the right ones. Find a story that you can get lost in that you'd be interested in. And we've talked about in the past, but like a book like Unbroken fits so many wonderful things. You know, it's Louis Zamperini. There's a there's a faith story. There's a resilient a resilient story, a World War II story, an Olympic story. It like has all these things that I'm interested in. And and uh, um, and I would tell someone. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I need to go back and reread it, but I feel like I know the story pretty well now, but I, I still think Laura Hilmbrand did such a good job on that that I wish more books could could get to that point because I think it brings in more readers. I mean, we've talked about Peace Like a River in the past. I think that, that certainly mm-hmm. is one that goes uh, on that list. Of ones I don't enjoy... All right, so this is going to be, since I'm a nine, I'm not going to pull an Aaron and just start dogging on everyone. <laughs> 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 Look, I can't help yeah. it. I feel ways about stuff. Yeah. And the way yeah. and the ways I feel are typically angry. So Yeah, yeah. Well, my my biggest thing, and this goes to multiple genres, is I don't like contrived stories. I'd rather have them inspired from the right reasons. So in other words, there are so many people trying to reverse engineer success and find their own way to write that. I'm sure there's more people writing about founding fathers post Hamilton being so big. And maybe it needs to be, but point is, I think you've got to really have a gut check on why you're doing something. That certainly happens every single day in the uh, church slash Christian living space. Um, they feel like, man, this author's had such a big level of success. Um, I've got my idea on that too. And so, you know, and, you know, again, the spirit of Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun, but um, I think you just have to say, Lord, like, you know, how, how, how called am I really to do to write something that can contribute something new to the conversation? Um, and so I just, I get a little tired and exhausted from seeing that in every genre of fiction. Certainly we've complained about a variety of, of fiction authors who kind of phone it in under a formula. And here's the deal. Um, we watch lots of shows that are a formula. So, I mean, if you get locked into a law and order, I mean, it's a formula and it's predictable in a way. Well, it always has like a reveal, but it's like a Scooby-Doo episode. Who's really behind this? And, uh, 
but we still kind of like it. I just, it, I, I think you can still be creative in that space. You just have to not get lost in that rut. So that's my only problem with books. I don't, there are, um, I mean, yeah, Aaron, you've, we, we've talked about plenty of authors that can drive us crazy sometimes. They're not worth re-mentioning other than uh, the ones we've complained about probably have lost their impact on culture I, I, that I've seen. Yeah. I've observed that, meaning they had a really strong message and they've tried to replicate that so many times and they've lost kind of the the rights for that type of impact. People aren't listening as carefully. We've talked about Grisham. Again, John Grisham, you're invited on any time. Absolutely, 100%. He's got, a, he's got a great formula, but I also do applaud him getting into true crime. Um, you know, that's a good, that was a good like segue in his publishing career to do a few true crime uh, books too, uh, beca- as opposed to just doing novels. But I think people would say the novels have become, eh, you know, the 90s were very good to him in the early 2000s. But, you know, um, but it's hard too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I know it like now that I'm in this perspective of agent, I'm like, yeah, I see how it happens. It's okay. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. But nice. it's a, it's a joy. Yeah. I mean, really, I'm, 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 I'm still trying to learn and grow. And that's why I would say like, continue to recommend things to me. I'm, I'm trying to remain, I'm reading, but I've been looking at some of the books I've been reading and we'll talk about them in other episodes, but they're all recommended by people who think very differently than me. And I'm just curious. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to try new things and get out of even the genres that have been most comfortable to me too. So like, I'm not like, I'm not immune to getting into that rut that even an author would go through. So, and again, sure. if you guys do order, pre-order my tell-all book 20 years from now, <laughs> it's going to be on Amazon any day. You'll see it up there. I'm That's just, right. I just have to press publish. And it's going to be the be longest there. pre-order cycle that anyone's ever had. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it will. It will, but I'm gonna I'm gonna represent myself and <laughs> ready to publish it yourself too. Sure, why not? <laughs> you know, are why you gonna not? typeset it and edit it yourself? Sure, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, design you your own cover. <laughs> uh-huh. It's gonna look like a. Well, yeah. Not enough said. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, All right. Well, I know we are we are short for time today because of internet connections, but there's one last very important question that we have to ask dave if you were going to use a pen name to write a book Ooh. aside from your tell-all book okay that has to be under right, your I'm own gonna, i'm gonna jump right into that so um i've talked a little bit about it before but uh, i'm gonna add something so i think i've kind of said this uh let's do d martin schroeder and we bring mm. back the umlauts we're gonna put the umlaut of the o but then hold on <laughs> wait wait for it here here we go now i'm like the d is gonna change a little bit i'm gonna get really german i'm gonna be like uh dieter <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> nice that's the right that's the right so name they say d martin schroeder uh then it's like but what's the d stand for i say dieter <laughs> yeah <laughs> there you go I'm, i like I'm it i'm getting more more german i love it and also for those who don't, don't know even... me I don't, I don't, I'm not even that German. It is, it is my surname, but like I have more like Swedish and English in me, which is funny. It's my surname. It's my dad's side in that angle. So, nice. oh, well, lots of, lots of Germans. Yeah. Nice. I dig it. <laughs> All right. Yep. This has been fun. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank so you, our, tri- our, our trilogy is over. Yes. Man. Our trilogy is over. Our summer series is done. And hopefully 
our podcasting via remote as the permanent thing that we do is done too and maybe we can actually record an episode in person so dave this has been fun scarlett this has been great you did well Thanks, asking the, asking some good questions again. Thanks. <laughs> it has been great. I feel good. You guys feel good. I feel good. I feel this great. has been I'm a good summer of fun. I feel great. All right. <laughs> Okay. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out. And uh, listeners, of course, you know what to do. Give us a hard time on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And uh, five-star ratings and reviews all around. Okay. We'll see you later. Bye. This is an Area Code podcast.